welcome to the Gridiron Show. And, well, if you tuned in and listened last week and heard our hour of positivity around the AFC, well, this week it's the turn of the NFC. We're going to go through all 16 teams and tell the fans the one thing they have to be optimistic about going into the 2022 season. I'm Will Gavin and joined this week by the returning Simon Clancy. How are we doing, sir? Very good. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Glad to have you back. I know you've been incredibly busy as of late, but you missed out on your chance to be positive about the Dolphins last week. So I'm just going to give you a little 20, 30 seconds to tell us why you're excited about the season. Uh, um, God, there you put me on the spot. I mean, <laughs> speed kills Mostert, Waddle, Hill, Tua, the genius that is Mike McDaniel, a really good defence, especially that defensive line. So I suspect we'll finish four and twelve, and uh, <laughs> have an early draft. Oh no, that's not true because Stephen Ross obviously lost that for us. So yeah, positivity oh, is back. Started off really nice and positive. <laughs> I enjoyed it greatly. To give the balance, the counteracting to Simon's pessimism, the man who is the king of positivity when it comes to the Gridiron Show, and another return. Absolutely delighted to have back on the show my old mucker. Ollie Hunter, how are we doing, brother? I'm all right. I'm I'm sunburnt. I've already told Simon this, but I played football yesterday, ninety minutes, uh, and I'm I'm a, I'm a man not blessed with much hair on the top of my head, and the sun, I the sun it was burnt me through the clouds. So uh, I have a very red Whoa. top of my head. It's the inverse of I forget which golfer it was, but did you see there was somebody yeah. who was on? Uh, yeah, I think it was actually on the live tour, and he took the hat off, and he had this perfect white rim where he caught the sun from the cap down. You're the antithesis of that. That I is am, sensational. I'm the absolute opposite. So, um, I've been I've been putting after sun on my head every thirty minutes, and I, a little trick: after sun in the fridge. Oh my god, it's wonderful. Sensational. If, it, it would have been really useful before either of the heat waves we've just had, but. Well, I, I got burnt yesterday, so... One, you know. one for next summer. <laughs> I think it's one for the winter for you, Ginger Man. Uh, there you go. Social media, Mike. We've got our clip for the week. Uh, Ollie taking his hat off, so we almost have to bother with the rest of the show. Did he have a cheap helmet on, or was that just his head? I couldn't work it out. <laughs> uh, right, let's get into it. We're going to run down the divisions, uh, work our way through them. Uh, pick out each team and give something for them to be positive about. Uh, and I mean, we've been given a running order. I'm going to mix things up slightly just because I don't want to finish on the NFC East. So instead, I'm going to start on the NFC East and kind of get this division a little bit out of the way early. Simon, I'm going to come to you first. The Dallas Cowboys, something to be positive for 2022. The, for me, the positivity is that Sean Payton is no longer a New Orleans Saint and therefore it's <laughs> He jettisoned into Frisco to hopefully breathe some life into a really average skill position group, actually. So to me, that's the positivity, the kind of culmination of the Mike McCarthy era and the long overdue rebirth or birth of the Sean Payton in Dallas era. So what you're saying, Simon, is the positivity is that they've only got one more year of 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 mediocrity in, yeah, I mean, that's in like Mike really McCarthy. Good. That's it. So there's no real positivity this season. It's... Just waiting for next season. Well, except depends how it starts, Ollie. If they go 0-4, you just never know. Sean Payton sat there on the yeah. Fox set. He could be helicoptered in to Arlington and away we go. I quite like that. I haven't heard anyone else come up with uh, Sean Payton you. might just come in and and rescue the season uh, in any case. That, that's amazing. I love that. Human rescue package. Do you think there's a chance he comes out during the season then? I know. like He's the right job, I suspect he would. Uh, and I think Dallas is absolutely the right job. Um, I think that the, the two are pretty much a marriage made in in heaven. And you you know you're looking at a quarterback like Dak Prescott, who you know has still got plenty of years left um, working with a guy like Sean Payton and everything that he did for Drew Brees. Um, I think it would be a pretty you know it would be a pretty showbiz fit. And I think that's a you know Jerry Jones, Dak Prescott, Sean Payton as a triumvirate. I you know what could go wrong? Is there any worry though that? That Prescott's drop off after his injury last year kind of continues into this season, along with, as you said, I know we're trying to be positive here, but a slightly lacking skill position yeah. uh, offense. I, I think that's part of it. Uh, you know, you, you do worry about the skill positions. Obviously, losing Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup injured with a foot injury. 
you know, is this the last year of Ezekiel Elliott? But I think, you know, there's, there's there are young guys on the roster. The offensive line is not what it was. The running game is not what it was. But, you know, guys like Tony Pollard, Dalton Schultz, um, guys like that, I think will be um, will be integral and important moving forwards um, for Prescott. I, I, I think you were looking at a quarterback like Dak who almost has to raise the level of the players around him as much as anything else. You know, he's got that ability to do that. So, um, so yeah, I think um, I think Peyton in Dallas makes absolutely perfect sense, and I think that's that, that will be the future. Now, it's astonishing that we're talking about a team that twelve and five probably should have won in the first round of the playoffs uh, and gone at least to the divisional round last year with uh, some exciting young players on defense, and yet now they look like they are opening up a hole for a team to come from beneath and overtake them, and that's why I will take up my first point of positivity for the Philadelphia Eagles, who are going to win the NFC East this year. That's what you have to be about positive about this year. Wow. I'm absolutely convinced of it. I agree. When you look at, they've got to come up against the Giants and the Commanders, who, isn't it weird, by the way, calling them the Commanders? For so many years, I've just called them Washington, or Washington Football Club, and not the other name. And now, now we've got actually something to call them, the Commanders. But um, you've got those two teams which are rubbish. The Cowboys, uh, who aren't very good, but the Eagles, when they've brought in AJ Brown, who could be brilliant uh, for them and for for everybody else on that roster, with Devontae Smith there and uh, Jalen Hurts as well, a decent running back, and that defense is absolutely loaded. I don't care what you say, Simon. They are loaded, and I love I love the look of the Eagles. Plus, hashtag Kitwatch. They've got uh, new black uniforms and a black helmet as well. Love it. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> See, my point of positivity was similar, actually, and I. So I'd done this alphabetically. Well, the uniforms, division by division. No, more that similar to Dallas in that the point of positivity is C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Tyler Van Dyke, Will Levis. You know, in terms of I like Jalen Hurts as a leader, but I think he's a backup quarterback, and I don't see the consistency that would convince me to invest heavily at the end of this season when his contract runs out. I, I think that, you know, the positivity for Philadelphia is that there are lots of interesting, good, solid pieces in place. And you mentioned some of them on offense in terms of Brown and Devonta Smith and can I get a tune out of Jalen Rager and Miles Sanders and Dallas Goda. And defensively, you know, th- there's a lot of really good players and they added to them with guys like N'Kobe Dean. Uh, you've got a you know, premier cover corner, one of the most underrated players in the league in Darius Slay, but I just don't think they have the quarterback that can take them to the promised land. And so for me, the positivity is, you know, an incredibly, what looks like at the moment, an incredibly stacked draft class for 2023 in terms of quarterbacks. Yeah, what you do have, and this is being kind of part of the big point, is that you have done everything to make sure you know whether that's true or not about Trevor yeah. There's an offensive line there. There's a running game that, in theory, both from a talent perspective and from... I mean, he led the lead in league in rushing yards last year for a quarterback. He's definitely got that dual threat. I think they will... Kind of the problem is, is that within their division, I think that they'll end up winning four or five out of six games, which is going to be enough to win their division when they win another four or five out of it, probably. That's why I say I think they're going to win the division this year. They are set up to see whether or not Jalen Hurts is the future, but they have also given themselves draft picks going forward to make sure that if they need to move up, if they need to find their guy next year, if it is going to be three, four quarterbacks available in that draft, they can go and get their guy if they need to. Yeah. And the thing on their side, division-wise, is that they're going up against the NFC North and the AFC South. So... There are four teams in both of those divisions that are vying for the number one picks in the Jags, Texans, Bears and Lions. So that's another four wins. So there's wins to be had all over the place for this team and then pick up some wins elsewhere against maybe the Cowboys or the Packers or or whoever, the Saints. Um, The Eagles are looking good this year. Yeah, they're, I think they're in great shape in a lot of positions. You look at the tackles with, you know, another hugely underrated player, Jordan Mylata, who's one of the best left tackles in the NFL. Lane Johnson, obviously, they drafted Landon Dickerson last year. He's a really good guard. Cam Jurgens, is he going to play centre? Where's Kelsey going to play? Is Kelsey going to stay at centre? You know, you look at the game last night that Philly had Cam Jurgens on his very first snap, comes out, pulls, absolutely pancakes a, a Cleveland defender. You know, the bench goes wild. You know, running back, you know, with Kenneth Gainwell and Kennedy Brooks, the kid from Oklahoma, and Receiver, we've talked about defensively. You know, Hassan Reddick is there, and you know, you've got Fletcher Cox and Jordan Davis and Brandon Graham and Javon Hargrave and you know Milton Williams. So that you know they're they're, they're stacked. I just don't think the quarterback is good enough to take them where they want to go. 
All right. This is the reason we did this division first, because there is some negativity here. And maybe by the sounds of it, based on what Ollie's saying, is that the uh, is the NFC North is where we next need to focus on. So we really get these ones out of the way. But um, two teams here. I, th- I feel like there is more reasons to potentially be positive. The Giants, maybe it's a make or break year. I can't. Can we see them? Dayball feels like after they've gone one and done already, it's like a guy who's going to get a couple of years to rebuild here. Another team who need to find out what they've got at quarterback, whether or not he is the long-term option or not. But I, I some really exciting young talent coming in, particularly through the draft. There's, for the New York Giants, for a team who are in rebuilding mode, it feels like they've had an off-season where they've made the right moves, at least, Simon. Yeah, I think for me, the the point of positivity is, look, what can Brian Dable do with Daniel Jones? Um, you know, because this is now a scheme fit that suits his style of play. He's finally going to get great protection. Andrew Thomas, obviously, now developing him into, the, into one of the best left tackles in the league. Evan Neal, obviously, on the other side. So what can he do? He does have talent. Did he ever have the full trust of the coaching staff? You know, did he ever have, you know, that constant rotation of offensive coordinators? I, I would... Aaron Rodgers would struggle with Jason Garrett as his offensive coordinator. And I think, you know, and I'm not saying his upward trend is going to be anything close to Josh Allen's, but you look at his first 38 games and compare them with Josh Allen's. Josh was a 60% completion percentage quarterback. He averaged 249 yards, total yards per game, 51 touchdowns, 29 picks. Daniel Jones is 3% better in terms of his completion percentage at 63%. He's averaging 247 total yards per game, so two less. 45 scores, so six less, 29 picks the same. You know, now Josh Allen is, you know, one of the top three quarterbacks in the league. But, and I'm not saying that's where Daniel Jones can go, but with a competent play caller, with a guy that trusts him, you heard Dave Boy yesterday say, you know, I love Daniel, I love the kid. He really works hard. What can he do? I think it's a really interesting, and it's kind of a do or die situation for Jones. You know, it's a, it's kind of shit or bust, as it were. You know, we talked about the quarterbacks coming out of the draft next year. What can he do in this offense? Because it, I don't think there's an offense that's built anywhere else in the league that better suits what Daniel Jones does in terms of his skill set. And with D- Dable um, turning around Josh Allen pretty much in one season and him coming out and being an incredible player and doing what he did the last two, um, you could potentially see that happening with Daniel Jones as well. They've got a really good receiving core, which really failed last year, but that, that could be down to as Simon said, uh, the whole Jason Garrett experience. So the thing I'm really positive about on a Giants point of view is what I've seen from Saquon Barkley. He's a year over that horrible knee injury. And some of the clips, I know it's clips, I know it's preseason, but some of the clips I've seen of him running over people and juking and doing this and that, I think it's good for Daniel Jones to have a guy who is a really, really good running back and sort of fresh because he didn't, hasn't had much fu- much football the last two years. So I'm positive for Saquon Barkley coming back and having a good season for the Giants. The big positive for the Washington Commanders is that Carson Wentz's deal is only a year long and they can cut him with no dead cap. Right anyone onto the NFC anything, North. <laughs> anyone want to give me anything more positive for Washington to get excited about? For me, I think it's a, a youth movement on offense. You know, you've had Sam Howe taking first team snaps. I think Sam Howe's a competent, at worst, starter in this league. And I think that will play out. You've got Brian Robinson winning the starting running job, running back job over uh, Antonio Gibson, fourth round pick. Obviously, Terry McLaurin signed his contract. You have Jahan Dotson going the first round. You have Diami Brown, the, the deep speedster from North Carolina. Cole Turner might have been the best player in training camp, but the rookie tight end out of, um, out of Nevada until he hurt his, the strangest hamstring last week. To me, this youth movement, uh, the skill positions, it, it is something that's going to going to move them forwards. Like you say, a year of Carson Wentz, but you know you've got the big two hundred and twenty six pounder out of Alabama running the ball. You've got your three four deep at receiver. You've got uh, Logan Thomas coming back at tight end. I know he's not part of that youth movement, but you know Logan Thomas, Cole Turner, Sam Howell can move the pocket with his feet. He's a great runner. He scored a great touchdown running the ball. Um, in one of the preseason games. Like I said, he started taking first-team snaps. I think Carson Wentz has improved through training camp. Um, but to me, I think there's reasons to be cheerful in terms of that, you know, these young players. I, I don't think Ron Rivera necessarily will be the guy that ends up taking them forwards um, because I don't necessarily see their record as being something that Daniel Snyder believes is is good enough um, for the 2023 season. But I think there are youngsters in place that where the future looks a little bit brighter in um, in the capital. 
You've ruined my gag answer by giving right. a very sensible, genuine reason to be positive. Uh, I, I think I should thank you for making the quality of the podcast higher, even if I will need to pick up my remains from underneath this bus. Right. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to the NFC North then. Uh, and uh, okay, he's on the call. He's wearing his jersey. He's got his little Packers bobblehead <laughs> thing in the background as well. So come on, Ollie. Why are the Packers finally going to get over the hump this year? I don't think they will. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> right, Simon's um, a more positive Packers fan than you are. Yeah, I know. and He's only a secondary Packers fan. Um, Bakhtiari's back. That's the main thing. that uh, He was off the pup list. Um, absolutely needed for that offensive line. The offensive line, which has lost pieces. And, um, is Jenkins of off as well? No, Jenkins is, uh, Jenkins is there as well. Back Luke at right tackle, isn't he, Elton Jenkins? Exciting. That is yeah, exciting if they're both healthy. So if Bakhtiari is back and playing, because he's been out for almost two, two years now, that's huge. And if the offensive line's working, then you can really trust Aaron Rodgers, you'd hope, to get a tune out of this young group of receivers. And Romeo Dobbs is, is looking great so far in, in practice and in, in preseason. And that's something that could, could happen. We want him or Walton or someone just to come up and... and, and claim that number one spot because it, Devontae Adams is a huge loss leaving. However, Devontae Adams was part of the offense that only scored 10 points at home in a playoff game at Lambeau for us not to advance. And so I'm not saying that he's the problem, but him going could be good, could be good for everybody else because, because all the focus isn't on Devontae Adams anymore. To me, that's no force. Cheerful. That's what I. That's what I've written. No Devontae yeah. Adams. I. I think you know, as great as he is, this means less reliance on the best wide receiver in football. Uh, and in many ways, I think it diversifies and it opens up the Packers' offense. And you go back to that 49ers game where you know, and it's much talked about. Rod, Rodgers has talked about it himself. You know, on that huge third down play back end of the game, he threw to Devontae Adams deep down the field into triple coverage and fell incomplete. When he had Alan Lazard running over, Alan Lazard would still be running now if that throw had gone to. Um, uh, gone to him. So I, I think what it does, the young guys will have to step up. You'll see more diversity. I think you're going to see Aaron Jones and um, uh, Thunder Thighs with sort of 55 plus catches this season. I think the AJ Dillon. AJ Dillon. I think the defense is absolutely loaded. Uh, and I think, like you said, if you can get a tune out of Romeo Dubs, who's been one of the stars of camp across the NFL, you know, Christian Watson, I know he's had the surgery, but it's, you know, he's starting to come back doing individual work. Amari Rogers is slimmed down, looks a much better player. Samori Torres played well. I, I think look out for this Green Bay team because I just think that over-reliance on Adams, as great as he was, I, I think it made them a bit too stale. And now I think it, in a way it re-energizes Aaron Rodgers that he's got these kids that he can you know, pass on to the next generation because all of a sudden Jordan Love begins to look like a player that, okay, preseason he's had a couple of really good games, had a very strong camp, looks like he's getting it. And you know, there's a baton to be passed with these young guys coming up. And to me... Having no Devontae Adams, I think a lot of Green Bay fans will feel like, well, well you know, we're going to struggle. I, I, I see it. I see it as the opposite way. And it could be great for Rogers, for him to have gone because now Rogers is undisputably the number one man. And if if he gets a tune out of it, it plays to his ego even further, doesn't oh, it? God, he does is it? the guy. He's the guy <laughs> that got this ragtag bunch of non-first rounders to uh, to the Super Bowl and maybe win it. I, I mean. Oh my God, Simon! You've got me. You've got me pumped for this. Come on! You're, you're, you're both ignoring. You're, you're, you're both ignoring the most important thing that happened to the Green Bay Packers this off season, and highlighted to me by the opening play of the first preseason game with San Francisco, which was a ten-yard penalty on the special teams unit, because they now have Rich Passaccia. They now have a special teams coordinator who knows what he's doing, who proved himself to do a decent job of being a head coach in in uh, Las Vegas as well. And that's been such a huge issue for them. It's cost them games left, right and centre. If the special teams is league average, they have enough everywhere else to be yeah. a very successful team. 100%. That's, that's all they need from them. Like retaining Adam Stinovich there, who was then the offensive line coach, has now moved to offensive coordinator. It was absolutely huge. You look at what they've done with their linemen. You know, uh, Ollie talked about Bakhtiari. But Josh Nyman kept filled in last year and played a, a really solid level. You've got, obviously, Elton Jenkins, one of the best young players at any position coming back. Played left guard, could play right tackle. 
know, the kids they drafted, Zach Tom, the kid out of Wake Forest, was a left tackle at Wake, could play centers, played all over the lines, taking first team reps inside, outside. Josh Myers has come back from injury. Royce Newman has started. John Runyon has played well. Sean Ryan, the kid they got out of UCLA, was a they've moved to guard, but he was a, a left tackle in the in the Pac-10. Rashid Walker at Penn. I mean, the 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 good players on the offensive, whoever's scouting offensive line for the Green Bay Packers is doing a hell of a job. And that's historical as well. Let's talk the Minnesota Vikings, who I was looking through the last year's record for so many of these teams and realized that considering how I feel about them today, the number of them that hit seven wins, eight wins, were in and around 500 was kind of a real testament to how that's quite doable in the NFL. Like these teams who have got win totals of four and a half and three and a half as their lines with the betting companies. There is, I understand, a positivity and change, new head coach, new GM, things are changing there. I look at the roster, it looks weaker than last year to me. And okay, they needed to refresh on defense. They've done that. They've got a very young and exciting safety. But this feels like this is a a year where you want to take the positivity from the looking to the future rather than what you've got for this year. Is that fair, Simon? For me, the reason to be positive for the Vikings, and you know, I, I think the end of the, the Mike Zimmer era is you know not before time. To me, and you know, some fans listening and watching this will kind of be like, "What's he on about?" Yeah, again. But to me, it's Kirk Cousins. You know, he's the quarterback equivalent of a sort of a dad joke. He gets no national love. I think fans generally around the league think he sucks. Yeah, he can be prone to a you know the occasional backbreaking error. But look, last year he threw for. 4,220 yards, 33 touchdowns, just seven picks, 103.1 passer rating. Over the last two years, out of the 61 qualifying quarterbacks, he's the only one to rank in the top 10 for yards per attempt, EPA per attempt, and accuracy. He's got really good players at the skill positions in terms of look, Adam Thielen. Justin Jefferson is ready to step up to be, you know, potentially take the crown from Devontae Adams as the best receiver in the NFL. Um, Dalvin Cook is still there. I don't think any team should wish away a top 10, top 12 quarterback, which is probably what Kirk Cousins is, you know? So I think you you can still build around this guy. I, I just worry about the the peripheral pieces in terms of, you know, they've got a, a raw head coach, they've got a raw general manager, all of these things that sort of, you know, what's happening at cornerback? You know, obviously you've got Harrison Smith. What's happening at, you know, at end? What's happening, you know, who's going to... The centre, that's a, you know, all of these little things are a question mark for me. But I, I think part of the stability and part of the reason why they're going to be competitive is the fact they've got a top 12 quarterback in Kirk Cousins. And I think, you know, if you're a Vikings fan, it's always great to think the grass is always greener on the other side. But, you know, trust me, as a Dolphins fan, it's not always that way. You know, we've been <laughs> a quarterback for 20, 25 years. I, I think, you know, you embrace the fact that you've got this guy who can win you football games. So he's good enough to do it with a, you know, with a receiving core, with a running back. With an offensive line, you know, that's going to develop as well with Darasaur and, uh, and those guys. Um, you know, Brian O'Neill, obviously, a really good unheralded right tackle, kid out of pit uh, on the right side. So, yeah, I think um, Kirk Cousins is the reason to be cheerful. I'm going to test uh, Ollie's metal here. Uh, I wondered if I should come to him again during the NFC North, during our NFC Positivity podcast. But, Ollie, give me a reason for the Bears to be cheerful going into 2022. <laughs> I've got so many. They've got a new orange helmet and a new orange jersey. Orange is my favourite colour. Uh, it's throwback. Hashtag kit watch. Um, they are a dreadful team. They are a dreadful, dreadful team. Asset stripping. They're positive. The positivity is that in 2023, they're going to be taking the number one pick. That's their positive. It's absolutely brutal to a team that, you know, okay, Matt Eberflus comes in and shows that Previously, he works when he's got stars at every level. They've got Robert Quinn's come back, Roquan Smith's come back, Justin Fields. Many Bears fans believe that he's going to be a great player. Like, I'm not expecting this team to be good this year by any stretch of the imagination, but they do feel like a team who, they are one of those who have that really ridiculous win-loss, low, very low, like three and a half, four, four and a half kind of set. And I don't know, are they that bad, Simon? Yeah, I think they're the worst team in football. Um I think it's a really bad roster. And I, to be honest, it's hard to find that much hope. I was going to say Ryan Poles, the GM, gave hope, but actually drafted a kick return in the third round when Justin Fields is absolutely crying out for skill position talent. 
Um, so really, the, the best I could do, I'm a big fan of Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator, so hopefully he can be a bit of a force for change. Um, and, and, you know, you hope the scheme overcomes some pretty serious talent deficiencies. But I will say this to worried Bears fans, okay? Vince Lombardi started his career 1-1 one and one in the preseason. Matt Eberflus is now 2-0. and oh. Take that for what you will. <laughs> Take that for what you will. But there, oh, it's a little nugget of hope. I'm sorry, Bears fans. I tried. I did try. <laughs> But I'm not going to, sorry, Ollie, but I'm not going to keep focusing on this team while you are trying to ruin the rampant positivity podcast. And, you know, the Detroit Lions, people are loving them right now. They are the kind of hot team. Thanks in no small part to Hard Knocks, but a great offensive line. They improve the weapons. They've got a head coach that everyone loves to get behind. They only won three and a half games last year, three games and a tie. Yeah. Positivity-wise, there's no way that they're not looking at least up this year. They've got two wins, at least, because they're playing the Bears twice. Um, <laughs> and they'll take, a, they'll take a win off the Vikings. So they only need half, well, half a win now. What's that, a draw? Uh, to, a tie to... Um, to, to, to level last equal, weekend. Yeah, to, yeah. to, to, level, to the, the classic Tory levelling up. That's, that's exactly what they are. Um, the, Hard Knocks has made them relevant. Like that Taylor Swift, song, Taylor Swift song, I forgot they existed. They played Washington and Seattle in the first four weeks. They could have two wins already come week four. Hold up. Are the Lions... At, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, they've got some interesting, in, interesting pieces-ish. Um, I like Jamal Williams. He seems like a real leader on, on Hard Knocks, and we, you know, we've, we've spoken to him and... Um, they need leaders in a in a locker room which has got some young players. Um, Aiden Hutchinson's really, going to be. Re- I like the receiving core as well. I would like DJ Shark coming in and offering a bit more of a stretch of the field potential. And Ron Rasent Brown had an excellent second half to last season, showing out that he has number one upside potential. I'm not saying he's there yet, but he's got that potential there. DeAndre Swift's a great running back. Jared Goff is obviously the huge question mark, Simon, but improve everything around him and then go and get one of these young guys next year. Yeah, I think it's all about the small steps. That, for me, is the positivity. I think Brad Holmes has done a decent job in the draft. I think Dan Campbell is absolutely the right man for the job. And I hope that he's given time to continue taking these small steps. You know, three and a half wins last year could go to six or seven this year. And to me, that's, you know, I don't think Detroit fans should necessarily be thinking about the playoffs. But I think, you know, six, seven wins is an absolute possibility. And the team has got some core talent, some real core talent. Not enough, but it has some. You know, Frank Ragnow, one of the best centres in the league. The offensive line generally is very good. Really good tackles in Decker and Pienaar Sewell, Logan Sternberg at guard. You know, they're deep at running back with, with Swift and Justin Jackson. You mentioned uh, the Williams kid at Green Bay. Amon Rasen Brown is a good receiver. TJ Hawkinson is a good tight end. Defensively, uh, Aline McNeil, Onwazariki, two young guys who should train on. Charles Harris, redemption story. Um, Romeo Aquara, when he gets back healthy. The, the corners are, uh, you know, they've got Amani, um, the kid out of Penn State, whose second name I can never pronounce. Uh, Oro Wariki, um, Aiden Hutchins, obviously, Jameson Williams in the draft, Malcolm Rodriguez, who's going to start a linebacker. I loved coming out. Chark, you mentioned, you know, can they keep taking the small steps? Can they show this progression? And then can you get these high draft picks like a Jeffrey Kuda in the secondary and if he are too can they start to come to the party as well? Jeffrey Kuda um, had a really good, uh, has had a, uh, uh, quietly had a really good camp, was very good. Um, against the, did they practice against the Raiders last week? And I think mm-hmm. Akuda played very well in the two-day practices. Um, you know, if he can take a step up, you know, all of a sudden this team is looking better and better and better. And you can get to the pass, you can get to the quarterback internally with McNeil and on Mazariki. You can get outside with Harris and with with Aquara. You've obviously got Aiden Hutchinson who's going to play all three downs. Offensively, you, you can be diverse with the ball. You're going to have a deep threat with Chark. When Jameson Williams comes back, you're going to have a serious deep threat. You can go underneath with Hopkinson and, and Amon Rasset-Brown. You've got Josh Reynolds, who's a good, solid player. So, you know, there's some talent there. I think these small steps that will take you to seven, eight wins, I don't think is beyond the realms of possibility for Detroit. I'm feeling that. I am absolutely feeling that. South or West? Go on, Ollie, you make the call. All right. NFC West it is, and we'll start off with the Los Angeles Rams, the reigning Super Bowl champions. It's difficult to go positivity with a team who obviously have just won the whole thing and say, well, you're going to go and win it again. But in a weaker NFC than AFC, there's 
no reason that with the talent on this team they can't do that. Big positive coming out of camp has apparently been Alan Robinson. Uh, just finally, he gets a preseason working with a quarterback who knows what on earth they're doing. Second year with uh, second year with Matt Stafford working with Sean McVay. The reports are that they've moved from previously with Jared Goff running just everything as simplified as possible, everything under centre to kind of going exactly the opposite last year with Matt Stafford to appeal to his skill set. And now they're trying to mix the two, a bit more of a blend, make it look more like the Sean McVay offense of old with the Stafford elements mixed in there. If Robinson looks as good as that, they'll probably end up signing Odell Beckham in November when he's back from that knee injury as well to add that extra in there as well for very cheap. They should be really good on offense. Left tackle, maybe a question mark. Pass rush, maybe a question mark. But I can't see a reason that this isn't a double-digit win team this season, Ollie. No, you pretty much said it all, really. Um, uh, yeah, you're right about the about the the pass rush. They could have done with someone like Khalil Mack, who went to the other LA team. Um, but I know that I know that they don't, don't, they ignore the salary cap entirely uh, yeah. in that part of Los Angeles. But I'm not sure they could have afforded that as well. But I think the the Alan Robinson thing is is a real positivity, especially for him, because we've seen when a, a really talented player is in the wrong organization and they just kind of fade away, um, like Matt Stafford. As soon as they go to a proper organization with with proper pieces around that are built for actually winning and want to win, um, then they they flourish. And you could only imagine that's what Alan Robinson's going to do, especially when. Cooper Cup is being double covered elsewhere. You can't double cover both of them. So a huge, huge benefit for that receiving core and, and for the offense in general to have Alan Robertson there. I think there are question marks. I think you mentioned some of them will. Obviously, Stafford's elbow is a Stafford's elbow. It sounds like a kind of a, <laughs> a place near Porth Call in Wales. Oh, hello. Have you been to Stafford's elbow? Um, <laughs> I think, um, but, you know, I, I think Stafford's elbow is an issue. You know, I think Joseph Noteboom obviously replacing um, Andrew Whitworth at left tackle. Uh, I think, you know, the lack of pass rush and whether they're going to have to sort of falsely create pass rush, whether that's, you know, linebackers like Ernest Jones, but it's a big responsibility on the shoulders of Leonard Floyd, obviously. You know, guys like Sean Robinson, uh, Ernest Brown, these kind of guys, obviously Bobby Wagner, if he can return to form. And, I, I, I you know, it's an interesting signing, but, you know, Wagner fell off significantly last year. Um, and people look at the tackle situation. I was speaking to Rob Statton, who's a big Seahawks fan that we all know. And Rob was saying, you know, the defensive line, interior defensive line of Seattle was absolutely horrendous. You know, it was the worst he can remember, you know, almost historically, uh, just a terrible uh, line. And you look at Jordan Brooks and, and Wagner had so many tackles. Well, it was because, you know, nobody on the defensive line could stop anybody. Yeah, for me, I think that the, the reason to be cheerful, the reason that there are lots of reasons to be cheerful when he's a Super Bowl champion. So I'm just going to throw a name out there, which is Lance McCutcheon. He's an undrafted free agent wide receiver from Montana State. He's absolutely blown up in camp. Sneaky speed. He's a contested catch winner. He's 6'3", 202 pounds. He's had 10 catches for 183 yards, two touchdowns in two preseason games. But actually, most of his damage has come against the first team guys because he's had to start. He's been forced into starting because Cooper Cup hasn't played a lot. Because obviously there's been a knee issue with um, with Van Jefferson, and that injury could linger. I, I think he's going to be a I think he's going to be a factor in a team that doesn't necessarily need more weapons. But if he can turn into the sort of guy that Sean McVay and McVay has been raving about this kid, um, you know he got the game ball and got to break down the team after the game the other night. He took Derek Stingley, the first the third overall pick of the Texans, to absolute town uh, in the game against Houston the other night. So. Um, all, this, all he's done is show up, going against Jalen Ramsey in camp and, and holding his own. Um, look out for Lance McCutcheon to be an early name that people start talking about. You can just hear Chris Collinsworth talking about him and the, you know, broadcast <laughs> this guy because, you know, he's a Collinsworth kind of guy in terms of his physicality and his, you know, his length and those sorts of things. So look out for Lance McCutcheon. Lots of reasons to be cheerful in LA, but this could be a, you know, a little bonus reason. Um. Shall I do San Francisco? Should I let someone else do it? No, feel... you do it. Come on, be positive. <laughs> Let's tell us why San Francisco are going to make the Super Bowl that I heard you say that they would do on another podcast. If three key rookies turn preseason form into and camp form into decent being decent starters, Sam Womack at Nickel Corner, who was so good in preseason that they just cut Darko's Denard before they even got down to the 85, let alone anywhere near 
the 53. Uh, Spencer Burford in at right guard, the fourth rounder, who has just looked unreal out of a small school. and, and He was great at the senior bowl. I thought he was a really good pick. As a... As a an interior line which has big question marks, probably the biggest question marks of anywhere on that 49ers team. That's big. And then, you know, Drake Jackson is a pure traits kind of guy, but he looked superb against the Vikings, both in the preseason game and in the camp meetup between the two. If those three translate that, then this should be a team that should be talking about Super Bowl aspirations. Trey Lance is obviously the biggest question mark, but the 49ers had the second best yards per attempt in the NFL over the last two years with Jimmy Garoppolo in the centre. They've now got a guy that can throw it deep with accuracy and power. That excites the hell out of me. Uh, I, he's looked great in camp. He looked great in preseason games. Can, does that translate? Is it going to work? I don't know, but this is probably the most excited I've been as a 49ers fan going into a season, which considering that there's a relative unknown starting at the most important position in sport, I guess speaks to positivity. Yeah, I would say the Trey Lance. Yeah, I would say Lance comes out of an offense, a, a very, very run-heavy offense at North Dakota State. You know, threw the ball three hundred and twenty-two times in his career. You know, in his life. Um, you know, but he came out of a very, very, very run-heavy offense, and in Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, Jeff Wilson, Tyrion Davis Price, who I absolutely love the kid out of LSU. Debo Samuel, whether or not he's going to run the ball out of the backfield on jet switch, those sorts of things. You have a running game that is built to take pressure off the shoulders of Trey Lance, who, of course, has got great wheels himself. He is obviously going to have to throw the ball, but you are looking at Brandon Ayuk, Debo, um, Ray Him Ray and Ayuk have had the most yeah. unreal chemistry in camp as Ray well. Ray McLeod has had a really ridiculous. solid camp. Juwan Jennings, who's a good receiver. Danny Gray, the speedster out of SMU. You know, Ross Dwelly, obviously, tight end. George Kittle, the best tight end in the NFL. If he can do that, then I think you know this team could go a long way. I do worry a little bit about the secondary. I do worry a little bit about the corners. Um, I do worry a bit about the inter- uh, the interior of the offensive line. Great attacker with McGlinchey, Trent Williams. Like we talked about Spencer Burford. Uh, the centre worries me. Left guard worries me a little bit. But, you know, if Trey Lance can be the quarterback that the 49ers believe he can be, then, you know, in a roughshod NFC East, they could go a long way. You can't... NFC, sorry, they could go a long way. <laughs> Is there any worry that uh, Shanahan could Guardiola it? Uh, in 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 a final and overthink and and no, yeah, I, mean, I don't think they're that good. I, I you know I think they're a good team. I don't think that you know this is not an all star team. You are essentially relying, you know, uh, 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 as positive as Will has the absolute right to be because that you know the the team is is a good team and there's a lots of good players. But you are essentially relying on you know a kid who played at the FCS level only started what 16 games was it i think in his you know plus one in his in his senior season um, it's all right because lewis riddick's comparing him to pat mahomes so don't worry yeah. about it guys i mean we're gonna be fine he attempted he's only ever completed <laughs> 208 passes in his life yeah obviously that doesn't take in high school but in terms of three years in college he can he has completed 208 passes and that is it you know, he is not used to throwing interceptions. He's only ever thrown one interception in his college career in three years. What's going to happen when inevitably, because this is the NFL, interceptions start piling up? How is he going to deal with, with, with those situations? Yes, you know, Nick Bosa is great. Yes, Eric Armstead is great. Javon Kinlaw, you know, uh, an ascending player. Great special teams in terms of Robbie Gold being a great kicker. But, there are, you know, Jimmy Ward's a great player. If Talanoa Hafanga can stay healthy, that, that's a that's a plus. But, you know, I do have question marks that, you know, I hoped Ambry Thomas would take a step up and he kind of hasn't. Fred Warner obviously is a stud. You know, Aziz Alshayer, one of the most underrated players in the NFC. But it's all kind of going to come together. And you just, you know, you are putting all your eggs in the basket of a kid who's only ever completed 208 passes in his life. So that's a big question mark. Let's, uh, we need to pick up the pace a little bit. No offence to the teams that we've still got to go, but I'm going to come to one of you each on the next couple of teams. I'm not going to speak on either of these teams because I don't feel like it would be fair. Uh, I'm. Do I try and get Simon Clancy to say positive thing? Give me one positive for the Arizona Cardinals going into this year, Simon. Uh, the, uh, the positive thing for me for the Cardinals is that it can only be a matter of time before the Cliff Kingsbury experiment is over. I mean, he's never been above 500 in the second half of the season. 
Texas Tech 2014 started three and four, finished one and four. Texas Tech 2015 started five and two, finished two and four. 2016 started three and four, finished two and three. 2017 started four and three, finished. You, you, you know where we're going, right? Um, last year started seven and zero, finished three and five. I mean, he is a disaster in the second half of the season because he runs such simplified high school offenses that teams can work out. Um, so for me, the biggest plus is that the Cliff Kingsbury experiment will be over soon, and they'll get a real head coaching. I'd be minorly concerned if I was the Cardinals that the, that it flips this season because of DeAndre Hopkins' availability, and that they're better in the second half of the year, and somehow they use that to justify because of the massive length of contract they've given him and Steve Kime to somehow keep him around another year. Uh, there's a lot to like about this Cardinals team from talent perspective, particularly obviously the quarterback. I, you know that I don't believe in the coaching staff either. This has been a long discussed topic. Hopefully, that's something that they move on from. Seattle Seahawks, Ollie Hunter. Oh man, it's a hospital pass. This isn't it. They're coming. Um, they're, they're coming to London. They're coming to Germany. So that's exciting. Oh yeah. Okay. There's um. There's a positive. I get to see the Seattle Seahawks in Germany in Munich. I'm going to Munich. There's a positive. Um. They've got a really experienced Super Bowl winning head coach. That's a positive. They've managed to keep Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. That's a positive. I'm not sure there's much else that you can really be so positive about when it comes to the Seahawks because they've lost that quarterback, their quarterback, the the franchise quarterback that should have stayed. Um, And it just looks really, really bleak when you've got Drew Locke and you're choosing between Drew Locke and Geno Smith. On On paper, they did have a good draft though, Simon. Yeah, I just throw in young pairs on the team. You go through that team, you look at the tackle of Charles Cross and Abe Lucas, studs. I think they'll be studs. Kenneth Walker, Rashad Penny at running back. Daryl Taylor and Boye Mafe at edge. You've got Jordan Brooks and Vi Jones at linebacker. And the two corners, the two rookies, Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant, have been spectacular in training camp, like properly spectacular. So there's some unheralded young players on this team. I, I don't think they're very good. I think they'll be in the mix for a quarterback next year. It might be Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, and that the sort of drama that will bring with the 49ers being in the same division. But there's some young talent and they come in pairs on that Seahawks team. Right. NFC South, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, there's so many odd conversations happening around this team at the moment. And it feels like there's been a lot of negativity out of camp when it's come to injuries, when it's come to Tom Brady's kind of disappearance, whether he's taking part in the Mars Singer or what, uh, when it comes to just generally kind of looking at whether they're going to be able to carry on the high quality of the last couple of seasons. But I see so much still great young talent in that secondary, still so much great talent, in fact, on all sides of the ball, with the winningest quarterback in NFL history, with I'm excited for Tom Bowles getting in, Todd Bowles getting another opportunity and, and getting to prove himself. This is another team who I just said this about kind of San Francisco and LA, but this is a team who should be looking at Arizona in February and saying that that's somewhere we should be targeting. Yeah, to me, the positivity note is the fact that Eric Fisher, Nate Solder, JC Tretter, Eric Flowers, Daryl Williams, Ode Abouche, a veteran free agent lineman who are still out there on the street because the injuries they've had, you know, Adam Stinney, the latest to go down with a torn ACL. They've obviously lost, um, they obviously lost Ryan Jensen with a torn ACL. Uh, they lost the other guy, um, Ali Market retired. Uh, Kappa went to the Jets. Tristan Wirth is struggling with injury. So there's plenty of really good veteran linemen out there because you're going to need that to protect your 46 year old quarterback. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you really do. But the, They've managed to retain most of their skill position guys. And those are the guys that have done well over the last two or three years. So uh, Mike Evans still being there is is absolutely massive. And some of the, uh, you mentioned the young players, Will, but some of the older players to, to help them come through is, uh, is, is, is key. And the fact that they've retained quite a few of them, both on both sides of the ball, is really huge. Um, I, we said this on a previous uh, podcast, but I, it's a real shame with Russell Gage being out as he is at the moment. I hope he comes back quick because I fully expect him to be the third receiver there, if not the second receiver. I think he's great, and I don't understand why Julio Jones was even a particular consideration for them. But it's a very easily cuttable deal if he turns out to be the Julio Jones not of uh, last year, <laughs> of anything that we, like that we Atlanta. all know and don't love. Um, Ollie, I'm, I'm just going to let you pick which of the other NFC South teams you want to go on. I'm going to go the Falcons. Um, and I'm really excited and really positive to see 
They're all red uniform. Hash that kit watch. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> That's why I'm back, surely. That's the only reason I I, I can only imagine. <laughs> um, no, I think they're really, they've got to be positive in the fact that they've got this year, and we will we will truly see it, well, maybe not with Marcus Mariota under centre, but in Kyle Pitts, I think one of the most exciting receiving options in the league. If he was a wide receiver, it, it, there could be a conversation of, of um, him being a, like a top 10 wide receiver in the league. I think he's a really exciting player, and that's one of the quite few positives in a very, as you said, weak NFC and, and a very weak NFC South. Maybe the NFC South might end up being the NFC disgrace again. They've got some exciting yeah. young pieces. I think they've got the quad four youngsters on offense. Ridder, Desmond Ridder, Tyler Allegheer, the running back, Drake London and Carl Pitts are tight end that could start their swinging fortunes. And if Ridder can continue this strong start that he's had, um, I think it allows them to focus on one of the elite defensive players like Will Anderson in the draft next year rather than using a high one on a quarterback. So for me, you know, a bit like in Washington, you've got these young players that if they fit together, it could be, you know, have a nice little plateau for them to, to build on. I thought it was an excellent offensive coordinator in, in Tennessee. I thought he really, him and Ryan Tannehill gelled really well together. Um, so I think, um, I think he and Ridder could work well together because Ridder has a very similar skill set in terms of his ability to get out of the pocket and make plays on the run. Carolina, your reason to be cheerful more than any other is that in week one, you will be America's team. Having Baker Mayfield going up against the Browns, there will be no neutral who will not be rooting for the Carolina Panthers in week one. Surely, surely. Even Browns fans should be rooting for the Panthers in week one. I mean, I can't wait for week 11 when, when, you know, we hope that one of those good old Houston defenders takes out Watson's knee. Um, but yes, I'm 100% behind you. I, I think actually, you know, if the defensive unit can play up to the sum of its parts, I mean, they've got quality at all three levels. If you look at, you know, Brian Burns and Derek Brown and, and Nixon and Yitor Gross-Matos and Shaq Thompson and that secondary is really good. JC Horn and Jeremy Chin and CJ Henderson and Dion Jackson and Kalen Barnes, the rookie Keith Taylor out of Washington, Xavier Woods, who they got from Dallas, then I think that's going to keep them in games. The offense isn't very good. Um, but I think Baker just brings a little bit of a spark, and I think it might yeah. be good for Baker Mayfield. I think that might just rejuvenate him a little bit because it, you know, there were times in Cleveland and a lot of times in Cleveland where you thought, you know, he's the guy, and yeah, it went sour towards the end, and you know, the injuries didn't help. But if he's healthy, I think you know it could be. Um, but yeah, big Cleveland in week one, please. I've, 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 <laughs> I've long held this that Baker Mayfield is a starting quarterback in the NFL, and I don't know why people have lost sight that he can be that at the right team. Whether Carolina's the right team or not, I don't know. But people treating him like he's a low-level backup and got a half-decent contract so we don't want to sign him seem bizarre. There are a lot of other teams, like Seattle, who could really have done with Baker Mayfield this off-season. It doesn't surprise me that he has waltzed over Sam Darnold in that camp. Uh, big question mark is going to be just seeing what Matt Rule does this year and how long he's in town for. I could imagine it being a mid-season separation, potentially, if it doesn't go his way. So our final team is the New Orleans Saints. Nine and eight last season. Dennis Allen's first year as coach. But he has retained a huge amount of coaching staff there. If you ask in the building, with Terry Matthew being added to the team, there's belief that that defence can be absolutely at least a top five defence, if not the best in the NFL. And honestly... The offensive weapons, if Michael Thomas is healthy, if Alvin Kamara is healthy, and if Chris Olave is anywhere near as good as he could be, I think there's plenty of reason to be excited for the Saints, Simon. Yeah, I think there's, you, you talked about it, young players on defence to me at all three levels. You look at Peyton Turner as a sidekick to Marcus Davenport. Turner, obviously the first round pick last year, had one and a half sacks he needs to train on. Pete Werner, really underrated last year. I think he had a really good rookie year. The sort of sidekick to Demario Davis. And then Paul Sonodebo, who's been the star of training camp, Cornerback out of Stanford, he's really long. The sidekick to Marshawn Lattimore in a really good secondary, which will also have CJ Gardner-Johnson at the, uh, the nickel, Tyran Matthew in the nickel and also at safety, and then Marcus May, who was really good for the Jets. So, yeah, I think, um, to me, it's young players on all three levels of the defence. Yeah, uh, I utterly concur. Um, they've also got a, a new black helmet, which looks incredible. Um, so they're going to look even sleeker. One of the best uniforms in the NFL is going to... Um, get even better with a with a fresh new black helmet. Um, but I think it's actually positive that um, they've got a new direction. Things can be stale if you you're at somewhere for too long. I know that, um, having changed jobs recently. Um, so when you've got new direction, and, fired, right. and a new a new focus, 
when you've got a new direction and a new focus, it always comes back to me. Don't you worry about that, Simon. Um, that the New Orleans Saints have. Look, Sean Payton was brilliant for the organization and um, a, a brilliant coach, and he'll do well in, wherever he goes. But new new life and a new direction could be really, really good for this New Orleans, New Orleans Saints uh, team. Positivity. We did it, guys. It felt more negative than the AFC podcast, uh, but it's, well, it's fine. a far worse so, division. So, yeah, it's a far worse <laughs> conference. You're not wrong. Sorry, right? yeah. Because, well, all the divisions are far worse. Hey, Ollie. Yes. I haven't said this for a while. Any final thoughts? Yeah, I find that... Don't you think the Cleveland Browns... Um, there was a guy... I played football yesterday, and a guy on our team went up for a header, and he fell on his wrist, and you could hear it break, and, it, and he, broke, he broke his wrist. And I just had to walk away, because I'm really not good with these things. That's how I feel about the Browns. I don't even want to look at them. I don't even want to acknowledge them, really. I, I, they feel a bit icky. That's, I don't know whether anyone else feels like about that, about the, the Cleveland Browns, because of the Deshaun Watson situation. I know you probably all had your say about it already, but I, I haven't. And I just it all just feels wrong. I don't like it, and I don't even want to acknowledge it and look at it, although I know that <laughs> it's, it's just bad. And yet you're the one that brought it up. That's uh, a very good point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wait <listen>. a second. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening and watching. Get in touch with your thoughts on all the stuff we've talked about at Gridiron on Twitter, at UK Gridiron on Instagram. We are doing some Madden 23 giveaways on there as well. I downloaded and started playing it yesterday for the first time uh, and absolutely loving it. So get involved in those competitions as well. Uh, get the magazine. First one out pretty soon, Simon? I believe yeah. so. Very. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if you're watching... Not- if you're watching visually, ah, um, the, the Gridiron magazine, preview. the preview, it's still really, really good. Um, it's not out of date. It's magnificent. So, Lovely uh, stuff. Gents, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Gridiron Show. <laughs> <laughs>